Daisy. And I'm Terry. And this is the Monday Monday Mindset Mindset Podcast. Podcast. Where we share things of interest to us and hopefully to you. So let's get started with episode number nine. This week it's Terry's turn to share something that she has found interesting this week. What have you got for us today, Terry? Well, I'm going to share from a, another of my favorite podcasts, and this podcast is called The School of Greatness, and the host is Lewis Howes. And this episode is with Jim Quick, and it's titled Upgrade Your Brain, Learn Anything Faster, and Become Limitless. And Jim Quick has been a memory and learning brain coach for 25 years now. He actually suffered a a brain injury when he was five. And so throughout school, he thought of himself as unable to learn. And teachers would even comment, there's the boy with the broken brain. And so he's overcome amazing setbacks early in life and has learned how to help all of us learn more effectively. Um, He teaches speed reading all kinds of things to help us with memory and different things. If you ever watch one of his presentations, you'll see he can memorize hundreds of digits from people in the audience calling them out, and he can recall them, and he can even do it backwards. Mm. So it's amazing to see this man who at one point thought of himself as having a broken brain, and now he can do so much with his brain and teach us so much. So there's tons of stuff in this episode, so I'll try and pick some of the highlights. Um, It was almost a two-hour episode, and he focuses on his new book, which is called Limitless. And again, his goal is to help us learn faster. And one of the things he highlighted is that learning is actually something that we do, many of us think about it incorrectly. We think that learning is an act of consumption, that if we just read or listen, that we just take in and learn. But really, we do our best learning through creation. So taking things in, but then creating with it. Another one of his uh, statements that I really liked is that it's not how smart you are, it's how are you smart. So it's not just holding a lot of information, but how you're able to use the information that you have. And he talked about our ability to learn our brain is it's just like our muscles with physical training that we actually have to train our brain to learn and remember more effectively. He also talks about readers are leaders and that reading more is a way to gather so much information so you can learn from everyone from the past just by reading a book or learn about someone's, you know, thousands of hours worth of work by reading a book. The problem is for a lot of us that reading takes a lot of time. Again, one of his focal points of much of his training is on learning to read more quickly. And so while I was listening to this, I I tried to pay attention to that. I listened to a couple of other things of his about reading. I have not enrolled in his course yet, but so one of the examples of how to read more quickly is to actually follow along with your finger and point to the words, or you could use a pen or something, but something um, just to pace your words, because our brain actually can process information so much more quickly when we read. If you think about it, most of us are saying the words in our head. 
So if we're not reading out loud, we're still hearing the words in our mind. That actually slows us down. So using your finger or a pen or something to pace the words, you can move more quickly and you actually retain more of the information this way because you're not able to be distracted. So again, without that pacing, your brain is more likely to become distracted because you're going more slowly by saying the words and you start getting distracted and you do other things. I'm sure if you're like me, you found that you got to the bottom of the page and you don't even remember what you just read. You can reread it several times and you still might not retain it. I was just thinking exactly that. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) And that I'm quite a slow reader. So are you saying then that by doing it that way, do you stop doing some of those things? Do you stop sort of saying it in your head? So far, I have found, and like I said, I haven't done his training yet, so I don't have all of the knowledge about the reading piece, just this one strategy. I still know that I'm saying the words in my head, but I'm saying them more quickly and there's no room for me to go off track because it's moving the whole time. And also, if you think back to a former episode, the movement is important too to keep the brain engaged and moving forward. So it's really a cool little strategy. But I found that I read about 170 words in a minute without using it. Once I started reading with moving my finger, the first test I did, I read 200 words a minute. My goal is to get up to maybe 225 or 250, but some people can almost double their pace just with this strategy. And he shared this information that I thought was fascinating. An average book contains about 64,000 words. And so if you do the math, and if you, like me, are reading 200 words a minute, it's going to take, I think, five and a half, somewhere between five and a half and six hours to read that book. So every incremental increase in speed just cuts down the time that you'll spend in reading um, so much. He also talked about in our world today that most of us in a work setting, we spend between four to five hours a day processing information, reading and processing information. And so, you know, from people who have employees to think about the fact that, let's say they pay them $80,000 a year, $40,000 a year they're spending just on that person reading and processing information. And so if we can increase our ability to do that more quickly and more effectively, it's actually a, a big savings that that's time that could be spent doing other things. So in thinking about learning more effectively, one of the things that Jim talks about is an old belief that knowledge is power. And he says that he really differs with that opinion. That's so funny because I think I use that exact phrase today. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I use it all the time. He says that that's only partly true, that really it's knowledge plus action that equals power. So without the action, the knowledge really does not lead to power. So in order to lead our knowledge into power, he suggests a couple of things. One is to ask ourselves important questions about what we're learning. And one question would be, how can I use this? Second one is, why must I use this? And that really gets at the emotional motivation, kind of our why. 
we're doing something. And then the next one is when will I use this? So already while taking in knowledge, you're looking at how to apply it. How can you apply it when and why? He also talks about, for example, while you're learning something new, taking notes. And he suggests an actual strategy for this is to take your piece of paper and divide it down the middle. And on the left-hand side, this is where you take notes, which means you're capturing information. Mm -hmm. So from whatever you're learning, you're jotting down some of the information. Then on the right side of the paper, he says, this is where you make notes. This is where you're creating from that information into more applicable, how is this information useful? What can I do with this information? So that's more of your impressions about the information. So again, just going back to his idea that learning has to be an active thing that we do. Yeah, I really like that. I definitely notice if I'm actively trying to learn something, if I'm studying something just rather than just reading something out of interest, if it's something that I need to try and retain that knowledge for some kind of purpose, the act of the old fashioned pen and paper, the act of writing it down has always really helped me retain that information. But I love what you're saying about not that it's meaningless, but it, it doesn't have the same impact unless you take action, unless you take that next step with it. Really interesting. And again, it's kind of about what we've been, a theme that we've been discussing is it's about forward movement rather than passively mm. in this space trying to absorb, it's making an active point of what you're learning. I think it's really a, a really cool way to think about it. Yeah, it really ties in with your last episode, doesn't it? Mm -hmm. a, with traction pulling mm -hmm. towards a goal. Absolutely. He also talked about in training our brain, we want our brain to be able to train and learn more. And he later talked about reasons why our brain doesn't learn as much as it could. But he talked about the importance of novelty, trying new things and doing things in novel ways. And so one simple example, even you hear people talk about this, but like when you get up in the morning and brush your teeth, Today, brush your teeth with the other hand than what you're used to. Hmm. Something that simple. You can't just mindlessly brush your teeth out of habit. You're actually going to have to kind of create some new neural pathways to do it with that other hand. And the other benefit of that is it keeps us from being distracted by other things. It keeps us more present. And that is where we're going to be more actively engaging our brain. But he talked about in learning new things he recommends that we try new things at least three times. Once, just to get over the fear or hesitation. A second time, to get good at it. And a third time, decide if you like it. <laughs> and I thought this was just an interesting way to think about, mm. oftentimes you hear people say, I tried that once. And his point that that's really often not enough of a experience to really help you get good at something and know if you actually like it. He talked about that as far as creating competence, that we have a competence, confidence cycle. So as we develop competence with something, we gain more confidence. And as we gain more confidence, we can create more competence and that it just keeps growing like that. Another part of the 
limitless model that he talked about is the three components of what creates our ability to learn, and if missing one of these areas, what prevents us from learning. And while I was listening, I drew this, but he talked about a Venn diagram of three circles, three components to this. And if you ever listen to Jim Quick, you'll find that he does a lot of labeling of things in ways that make them easier to remember. And one way he does this is he always lists the things with, that begin with the same letter. So in this example, the three things that go into the Venn diagram are mindset, motivation, and methods. So again, his strategy always is the three M's of learning, the four D's of this, like, right, so yeah. you can really remember them more easily. Mm. So again, mindset is what you believe is possible, what you believe you're capable of, of doing or what you deserve. The motivation is the drive or purpose, and he describes that as purpose times energy in small, simple steps. And then the last part being the method, so the actions. And then later in the episode, he talked about how important that we have all three of those well-developed because if you look at the Venn diagram where the circles overlap, where we have our mindset and our motivation strong, the overlapping part is an I that is inspiration. So we're inspired to do something. We have the right mindset and the motivation. Mm. But you can probably already tell there's not a lot to do with just the inspiration. Then if we look, if we have the mindset and the methods, the intersection of those two circles is the eye of ideation. So now we have thoughts about what is possible. And then the third connection is the motivation and methods. Where those overlap, we have implementation. But again, if we only have two at a time, we're not getting a complete learning experience. And so the overlap of all three, of mindset, motivation, and methods, is actual integration. And this is where learning happens at its best. So you can look at that model and see if there's a piece missing. Like maybe I'm really motivated and I know how I'm going to do it, but I have kind of a mindset block about whether I can do it. So you know which part of that model you could work on. He also refers to a concept of unlimiting. So getting rid of our limits. And that means that we work on removing our limits, our problematic beliefs, our problematic behaviors and habits so that we can open up to the new possibility. Again, that creative part of learning. If you get familiar with Jim Quick at all, you'll know he talks a lot about superheroes, and that comes from his childhood. He read a lot of comic books. That's actually how he kind of taught himself to read. Hmm. He would look at comic books under the covers with a flashlight at night. <laughs> and one of the big projects, he works with a lot of speech writers, motivational speakers, actors and actresses, helping them memorize scripts, memorize speeches, and things like that. So one of the big projects he was invited to be part of is to work with the cast and crew of X-Men. And this was like a dream come true. Oh, he must have loved that. Yeah, it was a dream come <laughs> yeah. true for him. 
Um, really quite a, he is a fascinating guy and such a kind hearted guy. But one of the stories he tells about this is when he was growing up, he lived in Westchester, New York, and I am not someone who follows the X-Men, but I guess their school that they all went to the superhero school or whatever it was called was located there. Uh. And so he actually used to look for that school when he was growing up, (laughs) but he talks about Four super villains of learning that we all face today. And again, as his device would be, he picks a letter of the alphabet and meaningful words. And these villains are digital deluge, meaning we are just inundated with digital information all day long. Then digital distraction that keeps us from being able to concentrate or focus. And you and I talked about that in another episode recently. He talked about digital dementia in that we use our digital devices to store everything. Mm. So for example, Daisy, how many phone numbers do you know? Oh, I mention this often. The number of phone numbers I used to know when I was a teenager. (laughs) Yes. The number of numbers I I don't really know any at all. I don't know, three? I think I know two. And that's exactly his point. When you and I were younger, we knew we had to retain so much more knowledge. Mm. Now, it's not that, you know, we all want to have to memorize 100 phone numbers, but there are actual studies that are showing younger people these days, because they have more digital access at a younger age than even you and I did, that they have less ability to memorize and store information because they don't have the brain training to do that. And then the last one of those super villains is digital deduction in that we allow these devices to do a lot of our thinking for us. So we have kind of lost some of our ability to do more deductive reasoning. So he talks about the importance of learning strategies to minimize the effect of each of these supervillains. And those are all things that we can find in his book, Limitless. But they are about memory training, learning how to think, increasing our ability to focus and concentrate, and learning the speed reading and quicker learning examples. It makes me think of when you were talking about that. I can remember when I was well, late teen, early 20s, and used to do quite a lot of bar work. And that's back in the day when there was no way of adding up the prices other than in your head. Mm-hmm. And I can remember when I started, I've always been fairly good at maths, especially basic maths like that, but, you know, very, very out of practice. And you know, I think most of us, if, if we've got a calculator handy, we're going to use that rather than trying to work it out in our head. So I was thrown into this pub environment where I had to add up, you know, and especially when I started there, it was a case of having to remember where everything was, remember where all the drinks were, interact with the customer and add up as I went along, you know, not only remember what the customer had asked for, given me this list of five drinks, I had to find them. You know, I always think with things like this, it's really hard. The first couple of weeks, 
just learning where everything is. I have had the same thing with waitressing. It, it feels like this monumental hurdle you've got to get over. Once all the basic things become normal, become easy, it's, it's like learning how to drive. Once they all become almost automatic, you can start doing the thinking things more easily. But I remember that completely, the having to add things up in my head and how hard it was to start with. But after a couple of weeks, you know, how easy it was to do all those things. So I can, I can really see how, yeah, our lack of flexing our brain in those quite simple ways can actually, you know, have a bit of a detrimental effect. Absolutely. You also highlighted another thing he talked about, and um, this just reminded me of it. It's called the Zygernick effect. It refers to the woman who kind of came up with the concept, that's her last name, but it refers to the fact that our mind likes to close loops. It doesn't like open loops. And so the example he noticed, or maybe she noticed this when she came up with the concept, is um, when she was at a pub or a restaurant and the server could remember everything that they ordered, but once they placed the order, once the person, you know, put in the order, all of that information was gone. So we only held on to it as long as we needed to, and then we can dump it. Mm. And so this effect actually speaks to the idea that sometimes leaving things undone or interrupted makes it easier to come back to it. So for example, writers will sometimes have a hard time looking at a blank screen. But if you come back in the middle of a paragraph after two days of writing, you have a place to jump back in and get going again. Mm. Um, because again, our brain does not like um, open loops and wants to complete the loop. So just tons of fascinating things about how our brain works and how learning works. Um, and again, if, if you get a chance to listen to him, I highly encourage it. He is such a cool person. Other things he said that just really stood out to me, he says, passion is what lights you up. Purpose is how you light others up. Mm. Oh, I like that. Yeah, I really liked that. Yeah, I can, I can tell from how you're talking about him, how much, you know, you, you feel that connection with him. And it, it does sound fascinating. It definitely makes me want to go and listen, A, to the podcast, but then also to his book. <laughs> Absolutely. And actually, please read the book rather than listen to it. Very different act. I was just going to say that. Yeah. <laughs> they joke a lot in this, and I've heard him say it in everything I've listened to of his. A lot of us are good at buying books that doesn't make us good at reading the books. Oh, man. <laughs> I've got a whole bookshelf full mm -hmm. of books. <laughs> and as he says, you know, it's a totally different skill set used to read a book versus buy a book and even listening to a book. But what happens is many of us have books instead of self-help, they're shelf help because they're just sitting on the shelf. <laughs> yeah. Another thing he said that I really liked is that you want to be a thermostat, not a thermometer. A thermometer reacts to the environment. You want to be a thermostat. You want to set the environment. So just a lot of you know, good things about thinking, but also just about life. And then his last thing that I really latched onto is, it's a quote he borrowed from someone else, but it says, life is the C between the B and the D. 
B being birth, D being death, C is the choice. Mm. So life is the choices we make between birth and death. Mm. So just very inspirational, kind-hearted, great guy to listen to. But Mm. also even in this big episode, some tangible little strategies that you can implement pretty quickly. Yes, definitely. And the one I'm going to grab hold of is the tip about reading faster. Mm -hmm. Definitely. Because I was only thinking to myself the other day, and in fact, I've got one of the books on my nightstand that I have started to read, that I've got to start reading some of these books. Mm -hmm. I've got some fascinating, interesting books that I want to read here. I've got into audio books because they're just so much easier. I can do them while I'm doing something else, while I'm in the car, while I'm walking the dogs. Mm -hmm. And reading a book, obviously, you've got to sit down and just read a book. You can't do anything else at the same time. But Yes, it's it's definitely something I've been urging myself to do. So that is a really helpful tip to actually reduce the amount of time yes. that it's going to take me to read those books. So it makes me more determined. <laughs> yes. And he also talks about actually setting aside time plan to read, even if you only set aside 45 minutes a day. And again, I use those figures to kind of say, you know, 64,000 words on average, if you read 200 words a minute. If you read for 45 minutes a day, you would read a book a week. Mm. And he really emphasizes that. Some of the biggest entrepreneurs, um, so for example, Warren Buffett reads like eight hours a day. Wow. I have started to think about if I set aside one hour a day, I can get through at least a book a week. Mm. So I will no longer have a bookcase full of shelf help books, but instead actual books that are helping me. Yes, I like that. And that goes back to your time boxing episode. Absolutely. Of making a purposeful slot every day to do that. Yes, I am definitely going to do that. That's that's a great takeaway from this week's episode. Great. Thank you very much. Yeah. <laughs> well, I hope everyone can take that or something else from this episode and make it part of a great week. Yeah, have a really great week, everyone. And you too, of course, Terry. Absolutely.